Uh, I'd like to uh, read chapter 2 of Amos. We'll be covering some of the judgments again, and we'll get to uh, the judgment against uh, Judah and Israel, Lord willing. Uh, Amos chapter 2. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab, and for four I will not revoke the punishment. Because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom, so I will send a fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the strongholds of Kerioth. And Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting and the sound of the trumpet. I will cut off the ruler from its midst, and will kill its princes with him, says the Lord, or says Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, but their lies have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. A man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the, cedar, the cedars, and who was as strong as the oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also it was I who brought you out of the land of Egypt and led you forty years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up some of your sons for prophets and some of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not indeed so, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarite drink wine and commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I will press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves presses down. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save his life. He who handles the bow shall not stand, and he who is swift of foot shall not save himself, nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, declares the Lord. Now, as we looked at this last week, we came to the prophecy against Edom in chapter 1 and verse 11. But Edom is also mentioned in chapter 1, verse 6 and chapter 1, verse 9, as the recipient of uh, slaves. If you just look back to chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver them up to Edom. And, and verse 9, because they delivered up a whole people to Edom. So one of Edom's sins was that they were very receptive to other nations conquering Israel and bringing Israelites to be their slaves. That's, that's what's going on. So they're mentioned in the last two judgments for taking uh, Israelites who were carried to Edom as slaves. 
uh, in a number of weeks or a month or so, uh, we'll look at Obadiah's one-chapter prophecy, which is completely uh, against Edom. And Edom's sins uh, are listed a little more completely than the other nations that we've looked at. And this nation also uh, came from the descendants of Esau. And the first thing they did was they did not allow Israel to pass through their uh, country. Numbers uh, chapter 20, verse 20, and Numbers 21, verse 4. They, they, uh, they produced a large army and blocked their way, and they said, you cannot pass this way. Uh, there's also multiple times that Edom uh, raided uh, against Israel. Second uh, Chronicles, uh, verse 28 and 17, it says, again, they invaded, defeated, and carried away captive. So anytime Israel was weak, Edom was right there to go and try to conquer and uh, take captives. So there's four things mentioned about Edom. The first thing is they pursued their brother with the sword. Uh, they, went after, they went after Israel anytime that they could. And uh, this connection to, uh, to Esau, we'll see, uh, is uh, is uh, 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 broken. Uh, Psalm 137 verse 7 says they, they cast off all pity. They showed no pity. Their anger uh, tore perpetually is the third thing, and they kept their wrath forever. So this is anger that's remembered and rehearsed. It's anger that is sitting in there like the uh, root of bitterness that Hebrews talks about. It's in there festering and it's taking hold. In, in these things, they're less gracious uh, than Esau himself. You remember Esau and, Esau and uh, Jacob were separated. And uh, the whole crux of the matter was that Esau realized that Jacob uh, took the blessing. And then they're coming at each other. And, and, and Jacob says, well, I'm going to send people ahead. And see what happens. Now I'm going to send more people ahead and see what happens. And this, the, this thing goes, well, where, where's Jacob? Oh, he's back there. But it says that Esau ran, embraced him, fell on his neck, kissed him, and wept. But the nation of Edom did the opposite. They forgot. They forgot that reconciliation. And Amos says their anger tore perpetually at them. It's in a sense, they said, oh, Esau, he was a softy. He, he forgave his brother, not me. I remember he stole our rights. He took what was ours. Uh, and, and that seemed to, to be what Amos is getting at. This is just festering. And even Esau himself was more gracious than they. Once again, the fire from God comes down. It's going to destroy their key cities. Taman and Basra will be destroyed. And then the fifth nation that uh, Amos and God speak again is the Ammonites. Uh, and the Ammonites are to the east of Israel, uh, and it's a nation of great spiritual wickedness. The, the Ammonites worshipped uh, the gods of Milcom and Molech, and uh, they sacrificed children to appease those gods. There is, uh, there's all sorts of uh, evil practices and many other things that they did. If their so-called gods required them to uh, burn their children, 
uh, you can see it would be easy for them to kill women and uh, uh, pregnant women in, in battle. They showed uh, no mercy. The result is the same. The main city, uh, Reba, and its strongholds will be devoured by fire. Uh, but there's extra emphasis here. And God is saying, I want you to see the picture of the battle uh, right there, what's going to happen. So there's three things. It says you'll be taken over with shouting on the day of battle. The, the battle is going to come right into your face, right to your town with a tempest uh, in the day of the whirlwind. You're not going to be able to stop it. It's just going to overrun and your king's and your princes will go into exile. It's interesting that Jeremiah 48 and 49 contain similar prophecies to these that we're studying. Jeremiah 49.3 talks about uh, the Ammonites. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will cause the battle cry to be heard against Reba of the Ammonites, the same city that Amos mentions. It shall become a desolate mound, and its villages shall be burned with fire. And then it says, Israel shall dispossess them who dispossessed him, says the Lord. And uh, if, you look, if you look back into chapter 48, there's, um, there's a, a judgment against Moab, and further on there's judgment against Edom. So Jeremiah chapter 48 and 49 is saying the same things, the same cities, the same uh, results. So his priests, his officials, his kings, all the people of power, all the people of power uh, will be taken over and they'll go into exile. And back then the king would appear in battle, but he wasn't in the front lines. He stood in the back. The, the, the generals, even up to the Civil War, they weren't in the front lines. They stood in the back. If you, if you broke down all those lines, you got to the general. Uh, you remember in the Old Testament many battles that went that way. And the leader, uh, like Sisera, the leader uh, ran. And the nation of Israel pursued them. Or another king ran and they were being pursued. Uh, the army is gone. The, the guy, Sisera, was by himself, right? He runs into a tent to, to rest. Uh, so... The whole structure of the army, the whole structure of the city uh, is going to be broken down. Uh, and then finally, the sixth nation that's mentioned is Moab. And this is south of Ammon. So Edom is uh, below the nation. Ammon is here and Moab is here. So it's all these nations uh, that surround it. We talked about the Philistines already and uh, all these nations surrounded God's people. Uh, Moab put constant physical and spiritual pressure on God's people. And, and like Ammon, they were very cruel. They, they got this king's bones and they, they burned them up. It, it's just a, a, a cruel disrespect. You say, well, the, the king was already dead. But it's, it's, it's just a, a, a disrespectful thing. But God makes sure that they understand what he's going to do. He mentions Kerioth, that's your stronghold, and, and I'm going I'm to be right there. The, the strongest city you have, the thickest walls don't matter, the army, the men up on the, on the parapet, it doesn't matter. That, that city is going to be uh, taken down. Uh, 
there is some extra things about Moab. They will die amid uproar, uh, amid shouting and the sound of uh, the trumpet. Uh, there you see, he's saying, you, I'm putting you right in the battle. There's going to be this chaos all around. There's going to be the trumpet. Cut off the ruler and kill all of its princes with him. And then God ends that by saying, says Yahweh, says the Lord, says God. So we've seen the multitude of sins of these six nations. But now uh, God turns to his own people because he begins uh, to address Judah in chapter 2 uh, and verse 4. Uh, the format is similar, uh, the 3 and the 4, uh, but the sin is much greater than the nations. Last week we talked about people that didn't know God and people had everything that God gave. They had the word, they had the prophets, they had the oracles, they had the covenants. God made an agreement. You'll be my people, I'll be your God. That's what they broke. A solemn pledge from God to have fellowship and that's what they broke. So the outline of Judah's sins, there's four. First of all, they rejected the law of God. Uh, this is the worst thing uh, that anybody can do, is reject God's laws and reject his words, especially if you're a privileged people who hear them. And this is the, this is the seed of punishment, but it's also the seed of Phariseeism. We want this veneer that we serve, but we don't want to serve God according to what he says. We want to serve God according to what we say. And we'll look at some verses. They haven't kept his statutes. They heard, but they didn't do. Don't let anybody in the room think that if you hear God's word, you don't have an obligation. If you hear it, you're supposed to keep it. Who are Jesus's mother and father and sister and brother? Those who hear the word and do what? Keep it. Do it. So that's what he's saying. You see the, the, the progress, how it breaks down. They rejected God's commands and then they didn't keep the commands. I heard it, but I'm not going to do it. Lies have led them astray. That's the third thing. And that's the only place you can go. That's the only place that you're going to go because you've rejected truth. And the only place for you to go is to live lies, to live a phony life, to live a hypocritical life, to live a pharisaical life, to live a, a, a life that's watered down. Oh, I believe some of these things in God's word, but not all. You cannot do that. I'll take this portion, but not that portion. You can't do that. And then it says those, right? The same lies after which their fathers did what? Walked. Now that's important. The fathers didn't just act like them, but they walked in the lies. They walked in the rejection of truth. They walked not doing God's statutes. It became their lifestyle. They walked in those things. 
Uh, any quick look at Hosea and Joel will, will show us these same sins. And judgment will come, and it did, right to the strongholds of Jerusalem. God says, right to the strongholds of Jerusalem. I mean, and and uh, we know about the siege. The first one, the first one, the Rabshika comes, right? And he says, God can't save. He hasn't saved any other nations. And then the angel wipes out the 185,000. But not long after that, maybe there was another 185,000. Maybe they said, we better take 200,000 this time. But eventually the nation fell. Judgment will come right to Jerusalem. God's word was rejected. It was despised and it was cast off and his statutes were not kept. And you cannot do anything worse than that. Well, what if I murdered somebody? Well, that's a sin. But you cannot do anything worse than reject God's law and not keep his statutes. Because then it doesn't matter what you do. You're not right with God. Leviticus 26 verses 14 and 15. This goes back to our introduction. If you will not listen to me and will not do the commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules. You see the progress already. Oh, I'm not going to do it. Where is it going to go? My soul. My soul is going to spurn God's statutes, the core of my being, so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant. There's the next thing. When my soul spurns God's commandment, what's the next thing? Say, I, I don't follow Christ. I'm not a believer. I don't follow God. I don't look at that. I don't do all that stuff. You sever the connection. He said, by my word and my power, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. And you'll end up saying, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. I don't want to follow. And I don't want any part of your covenant. I don't need your promises. I don't need your care. I don't need anything else. And that's what happened. That's the progress. But you break my covenant. And then God says, then I will do this to you. That's why our introductory study was, was so important. Because all of the prophets connect directly to what God said in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, don't they? Where are they getting their message from? Amos isn't saying anything new. Joel didn't say anything new. Hosea isn't saying anything new. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, they're not saying anything new. They're saying, don't you remember that God told you this is what you're supposed to do? And he made it absolutely clear. And you actually had people on two sides of a mountain saying, this is a blessing and this is a curse. And now you're going after the things that God curses. That's, what, that's what's happening. The steps away from God are right there. You will not listen. You will not do my commandments. That's mentioned twice. Think about how many times they listen. Think about how many times you listen. You will hear me in the teaching hour, Lord willing, 52 times this year. Well, we're going to the conference. Make it 51. Do you realize you're accountable for that? I'm accountable for what you say no. You're accountable for what God says using me as a messenger. 
oh, I don't know. Uh, th there's times when I don't really like the stuff that you're covering. It's stuff I don't really like. Okay, well, get rid of those 51. Now you got another 51. You got another 51 studies in the Gospel of Mark. You got another 50 studies in the, in the book of Hebrews. You got another stu studies in the book of Revelation Russ is planning to do. What are you going to do with that? 150 times a year you're hearing God's word. What are you going to do? And God says, I came to you over and over. Your prophets came. I sent them to, to turn you away. And we, we forget sometimes. I'm accountable. I'm accountable. I was reading in James this week. I'm accountable for every word that comes out of my mouth. I have stricter judgment because I'm standing here. And each of our individual judgments and each of our individual responsibility gets more and more and more because there's more light, more light, more truth, more light. And God says, you took my light, you took the truth and you, you turned away from it. You didn't do it. If you heard it and you did it, you would be blessed. And if you'd walked with the Lord, you know that. I started to obey God and my life changed. My mind changed. My view on things changed. God worked in me and things changed. My heart changed. My worship changed. Because I not only listened and said, I'm a Christian, but I went out there and I did it. God's commandments had shoe leather because I said, well, if that's how I should treat my wife, I'm going to do it and, and try by God's grace to honor him in the way I treat my wife. If that's what a Christian worker should be, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work as unto the Lord. And then they say, well, you're doing a great job. You'll get a promotion. And you look back at your life and you say, before I knew the Lord, nobody ever said the word promotion to me before. Look what the Lord's done. Look how the Lord made a diligent worker or a faithful husband. Out of what? Out of something that was not that. And that's what he's pleading with the nation. But they spurned his statutes. That means to reject scornfully. Their soul abhorred all his rules. Who made up that rule? The Lord God. Uh, I, don't, I don't follow that stuff. 1 King in Israel heard the law, right? They found the law. It, it stashed away someplace in a closet or something. They found the law and read it, and the king just tore his clothes because he says, this law and that nation are so far apart, it's an abomination. I should just tear my clothes. Second Chronicles uh, 36 God's, God's going to tell them, here, here they're going. Here they're going. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Why do you have, why do you have three services a day? Why does God send men to preach? Because he has compassion on you. He persistently sent them. But what did they do? They kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at the prophets. Well, yeah, he's got a New Jersey accent. And he gets worked up all the time. 
But that's what they did. God told Ezekiel, you're like somebody that sings a song. In, in Jesus' day, John the Baptist came thundering. They didn't believe. Well, some people did, I should say that. But they scoffed at the prophets until what? Until the wrath of the Lord came upon the people. Until there was no remedy. Well, that's, well, that's where you're going. That's where the Israelites went. Isaiah 5, 24, this is the last thing we'll turn to. Verse, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's our generation now, isn't it? Evil is good, good is evil. Drink the poison. It's good for you. Therefore, as a tongue of fire devours the stubble and as the dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts. He uses that name. He's the Lord of everything. All the hosts that you can picture, all the angels, everything that's out there, that's he's the Lord of and have despised the word of the, of the Holy One of Israel. He's the Lord of everything, and he's the Holy One. <laughs> right away, you know, what did Isaiah do? The angel said, holy, holy, holy. What did he do? He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell with the people that are the same. The first thing he saw was a sin. That the Israelites didn't see that stuff. Lies. Next, lies have led them astray. The alternative to following and obeying God's word is living a lie of your own false religion. You have to make up something else. And, and, that's, why, and, and that's why people have those rules for themselves. How many times at Walmart did I hear from somebody who was stealing from us, I shop here a lot. Oh, okay. Okay, that's the reason why you're allowed to steal then. But what if the person went out and found out that their cell phone was stolen from their car? They're mad. Somebody stole my cell phone. I buy a lot from Walmart so I can steal. But when somebody steals from me, I get mad. I get nasty. See, that's the, that's the, that's the refuge of lies that you have. That, that's, the, that's the apologetic. You have to believe something. You have to make up some kind of moral standard. I'll cheat on my taxes. After all, we pay enough taxes, don't we? If somebody cheats against you. Yeah. Oh, that guy ch cheated against me. That contractor cheated me. Well, that's what they did. That's, that's the life that you have. Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Right. And Paul says, who is blessed forever. Isaiah 28.15, for we have made lies our refuge and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Well, that's a good place to be, right? Oh, where, where's, your, where's your shelter? Oh, over here, these lies over here, that's what I take shelter in. Where's your refuge? Oh, I, falsehood. My refuge is falsehood. Ezekiel 13, talking about false prophets. Have you not seen a false vision? 
and uttered a lying divination? You see, there was false prophets everywhere. They hated the real prophets. And just like today, they would come along and say, well, God's not going to judge people. He's a loving God. He doesn't, do, don't, he doesn't bother with people like that. They told Jeremiah, be quiet. God didn't say that. God said this. Just like, just like Amos. He prophesies against the king and all the false religion. And they said, stop. Go, go back. Go back where you came from. But this refuge of lies and these lies leading people astray are contrary to the scripture. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, John, the writer, has more references to truth in the gospel and first and second and third John than any other writer. And that's what he's getting at. What's the gospel? Truth. Who's Jesus? Truth. What does God speak? Truth. What are you supposed to learn? Truth. What are you taught by the Holy Spirit? Truth. It's either true or it's a lie. By God's grace, that was one of the things that he used to convert me. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So either everything he said is true or it's a lie because there's no gray area. There's no gray area in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that blew my mind. And I was trying to mix a little Buddhism with a little of this and try to keep all those women and all the drugs and all that stuff and hold them together. And then God said, no, it's either truth or it's a lie. And I couldn't deal with it. And by God's grace, that split, the, that split me in two. And he said, you better start picking who you're going to serve. Because now, all that fun stuff with Buddhism and the women and the drugs, that was against God's law. And I was a young man in desperate trouble. And either hell was true or it was false. And I was going to go there and I was going to be judged or it wasn't. And God said, you're a dead man. Might as well be. Psalm 119, 160. The sum of your word is truth. Put everything that God says together. What is it? David says, it's truth. Paul is teaching young pastors. And he tells Timothy to go out there and confront people that teach something different. But you talk about sound doctrine. It means healthy. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound doctrine in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's definable as truth. You can see what it is. You know this is sound. This is false. This is healthy. This is unhealthy. In the last days, he tells Timothy, don't be surprised. People are going to go far, far away from the Lord. They're not going to want to hear the truth. He tells Titus, give instruction in sound doctrine. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. It's definable. You know what it is, and that's what you're supposed to teach. And then Amos says, those lies after which their father walked. The same thing. The, the, not the patriarchs, not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but, 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 but Israel started walking contrary to the Lord. Matthew 15 and Mark 7 talk about the confrontation with the Pharisees, the, the hand-washing thing. And, and Jesus says, 
you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition. That's a lie. My view of the scripture, my view of tradition and what I do is more important than what God. He says you make void the word of God. Something that's void is nothing. You, you, you got rid of it. Mom and dad, I've got a tithe this week. I'd really like to give you something. I know, I know you're in a tough spot, but I, I've got to give it to the church instead. See? True compassion. You just passed by true compassion to your parents to be more religious than anybody else around. Let's, let's get those mint seeds, separate the cumin seeds. I get to go tie them. But you made void the word of God. You rejected God's word. And, and rightly there, the Lord uses the prophecy. These people draw an eye to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh yeah, the Lord, yeah. The Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, yeah. We're God's people. But I don't have, I don't really have a heart for I don't really have a heart for all this stuff. I got, I got my own. Mark says, you leave the commandment, you reject it, you make void. And it says, then what you do, it goes with the walk of Amos, you handed them down to other people. And that's what they did. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees about the person that they made a proselyte? He was worse. You made somebody more zealous than you because you said, hey, this is, this is the way to go. And they said, all right, I'm going to scrub my, I'm going to scrub the Gentile stuff off me more than them. And I'm going to tithe more mint and cumin than them. And if my parents are in need, that's too bad. They draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's what he said. We have to check ourselves because the question to us has to come. Is there any area that I'm leaving out? And, and sometimes we do. We walk like that. What about devotions and prayer? Next thing you know, well, I haven't had devotions and prayer in two days. I haven't read the scriptures in two days. Is there an area left out? What did he say? Hear the commandments and do. Keep. But that's what we do. Oh, I can't, I can't do, I can't do this. It's too strict. That's what the Israelites thought. The commandments of God, they're a burden. If I try to obey them all, yeah, yeah, you'll have to battle, all right? Because they're all up here. You can't have attitudes. You can't look at a woman the wrong way. You can't have anger. You can't do, you can't do it. And if you say it, then you're in real trouble. Oh, you say, that's too strict. That's no, no, no. God gives grace. And, and as we hear and listen and we walk, we get more grace. And we're able to say, you know, if that happened a couple of years ago, I would have blown my top. I would have been so mad that that happened. And now you realize God's been working on you. 
I used to have so much trouble in prayer. Now I read every day. Now I can sit, sit in prayer, and as soon as I miss it, I miss it. As soon as I don't do it, I want to get back. I want to have fellowship with the Lord. And before it was like, oh, I, I think I've got to, to mow the lawn and do this and do that. Real important stuff. No. But then the indictment against Israel comes. Verses 6 through 16. Some similar things. The three and the four pattern. But no mention uh, of the strongholds or the, or the fire. Because Israel's different. This is Amos's target. Judah's bad enough. They rejected the word. Israel rejected the word. Notice chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Sins of injustice and oppression and inequity. Look what they did with, the, with poor people. They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample the head of the poor into the dust and turn aside the, the afflicted. Uh, they're like people in, in James. They see people with real need and they say, uh, be warmed and be filled. And they oppress them. Uh, verses uh, 7 and 8, sins of false worship and drunkenness. Look at, the, look at what they do. The father, the father and the son go to, to the same girl. They go to the same temple prostitute. They go to the same place of false religion and they profane God's name, and they lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. So the temple prostitute says, yeah, you, you could have me, but you got to give me something, right? Remember, remember Hosea, that's what they did. They, they got all these goods for themselves. More worship, more stuff I get. All right, here's, here's my coat. Lay down. Put it, put it right there. We'll lay down on it. That's, that's the picture. But it's false religion. It's terrible false religion and drunkenness. And Hosea painted that picture, didn't he? Drunken. Well, there are temple prostitutes there. They're serving wine. They got snacks too. Go over there. Yeah, go over there. That's the best place in town for false worship. Then there's three actions of God. We'll end with this today because then we'll see that they mistreated these benefits. Uh, three actions. First of all, God destroyed the Ammonites. He destroyed a nation. Now he's just, he's just picking them out of other nations that he destroyed. Remember, they had many victories against the Philistines, but he's just picking them out. Then he brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them. The, the, remember, the, remember what was going on. They were being treated terribly. And, and what did God tell Moses? Oh, I just feel like, I just feel like doing something. No. He says, I've heard their cry. I know that they're being mistreated and they're my people. Those are the people I made a covenant with. Those are the people I promised to do something with. And now I hear them crying every day. And they're being oppressed and they're being held down and mistreated. And I'm going to remedy that. That's the whole thing. That's the whole picture. And then, what an amazing thing, I raised prophets and Nazarites. I, I wish my son was a pastor. I wish my son was a prophet. What a privilege. What a privilege that God said, I'm going to raise more people to go out and speak my word to, to my people. And what did they do? 
and God ends with the question, Is it not indeed so, O people of Israel? And the answer is, yes, it is so. And, and, and that was a question that I was thinking to myself. Has not God really blessed me with his salvation? Is it not indeed so that he's delivered me? I ended up, I ended up being a teacher and a preacher. I never thought that would ever happen. How in the world did that happen? That, that's impossible. But that's what God did. Is it not so that you're so blessed? Is it not so that God's poured out his blessing on you? Oh, we have to say, yes, it is, Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn from these things. We can see that it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but we can see that you were so merciful to your people. We're thankful for the mercy that we see in hearing your word week by week and having access to your word and having uh, a fellowship with uh, your children here on this earth. We pray that we would take these things and this question, is it not so, and admit and confess to you that we are people that have been greatly blessed by the Lord our God. Amen.